Thank you for listening and subscribing to the Anchor Church podcast. It is our desire at the Anchor to provide a place for you to know God, find freedom, discover your God-given purpose, and ultimately make a difference in the world around you. Each week, the Anchor podcast features Sunday sermons. You can follow along in this podcast episode and read the sermon notes on our website by visiting theanchor.me. Now, let's get into the word. This morning, um, I could have done a lot of different titles. It was quite a journey coming up with one. So if in the middle of the message you want to title it something different, you go right ahead. Um, But this morning I did Not a Waste, and it looks very Star Wars-ish. And um, so everyone, no? Okay, it's fine. I grew up with three brothers, and I have two boys, so that's my life. All right, (laughs) not a waste. All right, have you ever been in the process of looking for a new car, a new vehicle of any sorts, and in the process of looking for one, or maybe once you finally purchased it, it seemed like everybody else had that car, that vehicle. Ever been there before? All right, Uh, you're like, oh, and maybe even just like the color. You're like, everybody drives a black car now. And when you were, in, because you're in the process of looking for one or your attention has been brought to it now, it stands out to you. It's not that all of a sudden everybody just went out and bought this car, right? They've been driving it for a long time, but now your focus is on it because you've been thinking about it. Or maybe uh, if you're in here and you've ever played the punch buggy game in the car. Yeah, yeah. And so you're looking for the Volkswagen Beetle. If you've never played, you're welcome. Here are the rules. You have to look for the the Beetle driving on the car, and whoever sees it first gets to slug the other person in the arm and yell, punch buggy. And so, like I said, three brothers. And (laughs) so when we were in the car and the battle was on and we were looking for the punch buggy, it wasn't that because we were looking for them that all of a sudden they started appearing, right? They were already there. We just now had our attention on them, so now they were standing out. So they were always there, whether we noticed it or not. What changed is that now we were paying attention. When my brother passed away, I went to a counseling session, because that's a good thing to do, and we started asking Jesus to show himself in places of pain, hurt, confusion, because when you face a trauma in your life or you go through a hard time, everybody in here I think can agree that we experience some pain and some frustration and some hurt. And so we started asking God to show himself, asking Jesus to bring light to those dark places, Um, the places where I was saying, where were you? And I think if we were all being honest, we've faced times in our lives where we were going, where were you? Where are you? Um, It's even in the Bible, you know, the storm hits and the disciples are freaking out, obviously. And Jesus is in the bottom sleeping and they show up and they're like, "Ah, don't you care? Like, don't you see what's going on right now? Have you ever done that to Jesus? Ever said that? And, um, and, or when Lazarus passes away and um, his sister meet him met Jesus at the gate, and they're like, what in the world? Like, where were you if you had been here? So I say that to say Jesus isn't afraid of our questions. He's not afraid of your anger or your hurt or your frustration and whatever you have faced or are facing in your life. It's okay to ask Jesus, where were you? Where are you? Because he actually wants you to ask that. So Jesus met me there. And he began to show himself to me in those moments. And it was very healing. 
But I walked out of that session with more than just healing from past things that happened. I walked out with a stirring of wanting to know Jesus in the moments of my day-to-day life, right? And you would think, like, "Mm, don't we kind of think about that anyways? Well, I was walking with the Lord. I was in relationship with him, but I don't think I was as intentional as stopping and asking him where he was throughout my day and what he was saying and doing. So I looked up Psalms 139, and what happened is I applied it, which is what he wants us to do with Scripture. He wants us to take it for what it is. Psalms 139, verses 7 through 11. This is a Passion Translation. It says, Where could I go from your spirit? Where could I run and hide from your face? If I go up to heaven... You're there. If I go down to the realm of the dead, you're there too. If I fly with wings into the shining dawn, you're there. If I fly into the radiant sunset, you're there waiting. Wherever I go, your hand will guide me. Your strength will empower me. It is impossible to disappear from you or to ask the darkness to hide me. For your presence is everywhere, bringing light into my night. Everywhere, at every moment. So if God is everywhere and in every moment, right, if he is who he says he is, which that scripture just told us, he's everywhere, then that means that we have an amazing opportunity in front of us. And what is that opportunity? I'm so glad you asked. The opportunity is that we get to ask Jesus, where are you right now? Right? Not just in our past, not just in our present, but right now. Where are you right now? What are you doing in this moment What are you saying? Because whether or not we choose to acknowledge him in a moment doesn't change the fact that he is there. Right? He is always there. So why not take advantage of that amazing opportunity to walk with him? to ask him. So what I mean by that is you you go into a classroom. Maybe you're a student in that class. Maybe it's over Zoom, <laughs> or maybe you're, you're sitting in a classroom where you were a teacher this past year, and in class, you begin to ask Jesus, where are you in this moment? What are you saying? What are you doing? Or you go, uh, you go to work, and your job is fixing appliances, and so you go into someone's house, and you know that Jesus is going in there with you, and so you ask him, what are you doing? What are you saying? In this moment, where are you? It's fixing our attention on him so that he can show us where he is in our day today. It's really cool. You know how I know we can ask him these things? And if you do start asking him, that he'll start showing you? It's because in the Bible, he made it clear that he is always with us. He wants us to walk with him every day and listen and obey whatever he says. So why would he say that to us time and time again in Scripture if it wasn't actually available for us to do. He's not a liar, right? Now, when I talk about asking Jesus where he is in the moment and what he is doing and what he is saying, I'm not just talking about the big moments of life, the times that we feel require him, right? The times that we feel out of control. I'm not just talking about the big moments. I'm talking about in every moment and in every season. Because I think what happens is that sometimes... We can unintentionally put him in a box and say, you're only God of the extraordinary, of the big moments, of the big things I do for you. Well, he is God of the extraordinary moments and of the big things that happen in life, but he is also God of the ordinary. He is in the small things 
He is in the details, in the process. Your day-to-day, your what we would call the mundane life. Except he doesn't see your life as ordinary. He doesn't see waking up and taking care of the kids in the morning as ordinary. He doesn't see you going to your job that you've had for 10 years every day as ordinary. He doesn't see it like we do. Every part of our day that is walked out with him, he sees as amazing, and he is excited to be a part of it. So two weeks ago, um, PQ preached an amazing message that I don't know about you, but I was like, oh, there's some things. (laughs) It was on simple obedience, right? And there were some things that God had already been like, you know, you know I said to do that and been pushing out my heart. So I was like, here, Roger, Roger. Okay, I got it. And so uh, it was a really good message. If you haven't listened to it, um, go, because it's it's very encouraging and amazing. And um, in this simple obedience message, he asked us a question. He said, um, have you ever looked at Jesus' life and thought that any of it was normal? And 99% of the room said, no. And I was like, yes, <laughs> I have. And the reason why I was thinking that is because of where my focus has been the past few weeks just in my own private time with the Lord. And um, I was laughing because, again, it's that whole focus thing. I, I had been focusing on Jesus being in my everyday, Jesus being in the mundane, not having to prove to Jesus who I was because of what I do or not having to prove to others who I am because of a position that I hold or a title that's there or a job that I have. But just simply being me is what he had been speaking to me about. So I had been thinking about these whole 30 years of Jesus' life that wasn't in the spotlight. To me, it kind of seemed normal. It was this whole 30 years of being. And I wonder how many people thought that Jesus was wasting his time as he was being. Oh, I could just imagine. (laughs) Being with the Father, being with his family, being with his friends, being with his community. How many might have thought that his growing was wasted time? How many might have tried to hurry him? Or I wonder if the enemy ever tried to plant the thought in his mind that he wasn't doing enough or that he should be way more by now and accomplished way more than what he was. How many would have thought that he was wasting his gifts as he was loving his neighbor and honoring his father and mother? And in the midst of these years when he would say, it's not yet time, it was never not time for him to be with the Father. It was always time for him to be with the Father. And that was important. That was worth it. That was not a waste. I'm so thankful to Jesus for the years of healing the blind, of raising the dead, of cleansing lepers, of doing all of these amazing things that we see him doing because he showed us the power of what a life can look like that's led by the Holy Spirit, a life in tandem with the Holy Spirit of listening and obeying and stepping out into what we would call the big things. He showed us what life can look like and should look like. And I'm very thankful for that. And I'm thankful that he gave his life for us in obedience to the Father. Amen? But I'm also thankful for these 30 years of mundane. 30 years of out of the spotlight. Because what that says to me is our day-to-day with the Lord, where no one sees, no one recognizes, no one gives praise for your obedience to him, 
that God sees and he is pleased. That he finds delight in your mundane when it's done with him and for him. And it's not a waste to the Father. Can you just go ahead and say that out loud? Say, it's not a waste. Romans 12, 1 through 2, says this in the message. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you, right? Because, again, we're walking with the Father. We're not supposed to be doing life all by ourselves and then, oh, no, now there's a problem. Now I run to the Father, you know. Like, he's like, okay, you keep running back to me. How about this time we hold hands and then we walk through life together, right? So it's a great song. I didn't mean to. <laughs> all right. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Did you catch that? Take your everyday, ordinary life, getting up at, Lord bless you, 5 a.m. and going to work. I know some of you, super early. All right, <laughs> take your waking up to a kid smacking you in the face and saying, where's breakfast? You know, Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Lord, this is all for you. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. I love that. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. That's simple obedience. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings out the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. He's got that process going. And as we fix our attention on God in our day-to-day, here's like what this can look like. You're having a hard time with another uh, well, maybe with an employee, or you're having a hard time with another coworker, or you're a teacher and you're having a hard time with your student, or you're a parent and you're having a hard time with your kid. No. And we can stop in the moment and say, God, show me where you are in this moment. Show me what you're thinking. How do you see this person? How do you want me to respond? And it doesn't have to be like, hold on, stop. I need, well, maybe you do need to walk away for a moment and pray that prayer. Um, but it's in the midst. You can even just pause and just inwardly, Holy Spirit, show yourself. And it's amazing what happens when we take our focus off of the issues that we feel like we're having and um, our opinions. And we stop and we give God, the opportunity to show his opinion about us and the other people in our lives for that moment. And then he develops well-formed maturity in you. It's a process. He's happy to be a part of it. So if there wasn't purpose in those 30 years for Jesus of growth and being with the Father. I fully believe that God would have just plopped him down here as a 30-year-old man and said, let's go. But God doesn't do anything without purpose, right? Jesus was still in the will of God, even in the mundane. In the first years of his life and in the last, we see a very common thread. We can see that he was consumed with the Father 
and that he was walking in obedience to him. In Luke 2, we get this little snapshot picture because it's not that we didn't get to see anything from those first years. We get to see him when he's like 12, you know, outside of when he's born. And so, and, uh, so in this 12-year-old little snippet, um, most of you guys might be familiar with this, um, Jesus goes off to the temple and then his parents can't find him among their relatives or their acquaintances or friends or people they might have bumped into along the way that they thought maybe Jesus thought their donkey was interesting and he wanted to go back. And they can't find him anywhere and so they get frustrated and scared like most parents would do. And so they come up to him and he says his response to them, which wasn't it wasn't a bash because later in this verse, it actually says that Jesus continued in obedience to his parents. So it wasn't like, don't you know I'm better than you? It wasn't like that. He says in Luke 2.49, he said, didn't you know that it's necessary for me to be here in my father's house consumed with him? That we would live a life like that. Don't you know it's necessary? It is necessary for me to go through my day-to-day life in order to make it through each day that I must be consumed with the Father. And then it says in verse 52, as Jesus grew, so did his wisdom and maturity. The favor of men increased upon his life, for he was greatly loved by God. He walked with God. He walked with him in relationship. He went to school. He was with his friends and his family. He learned uh, carpentry from Joseph. He was in the mundane the day-to-day. But this is what the Father is after with us. This is what I believe that he is showing us. No matter what your position or place and your place that, that you hold, the job that you hold, no matter the time that you're born in or the age that you are now, we find ourselves and he is after relationship with us and our obedience. And that God believes in the process. Because what happens in this process of relationship and obedience to the Father is that we come to know him, right? And in turn, we come to know ourselves. I'll show you that in scripture. Romans 12, 3 through 6 says this. I'm speaking to you out of deep gratitude for all that God has given me, and especially as I have responsibilities in relation to you. Living then, as every one of you does, in pure grace, it's important that you not misinterpret yourselves as people who are bringing this goodness to God. No, God brings it all to you. The only accurate way to understand ourselves is by what God is and what he does for us, not by what we are and what we do for him. He wants you to find your identity in who he says you are not in what you do for him. In this way, we are like the various parts of the human body. Each part gets its meaning from the body as a whole, gets its meaning from Jesus, not the other way around, right? The body we are talking about is Christ's body of chosen people. Each of us finds our meaning and function as a part of his body. But as a chopped off finger, I'm just going to go off and do my own thing, and then I'll run back to him when I need him. But as a chopped off finger or cut off toe, we wouldn't amount to much, would we? So since we find ourselves fashioned into all these excellently formed and marvelously functioning parts in Christ's body, let's just go ahead and be what we were made to be. 
without enviously or pridefully comparing ourselves to each other or trying to be something we aren't. Being confident in who God made you to be and not looking and saying, but that person is doing that thing for God or, well, that person is on a stage or that person has, you know, whatever. They have the bigger house and all these things or their business seems to be going further or, I, you know, constantly looking and comparing and they must have it better than I do. And God says, I didn't make you to be like them. I made you to be you. So stop comparing yourself because then you won't accomplish and letting out the me in you that the world needs. God wants us to recognize our need for him. He wants us to see and know his love for us. He wants us to walk with him. He is already walking with us. He just wants us to recognize that and start to walk with him to choose to tune in to the Holy Spirit and live our, lives do, live our lives daily involving him and ready and willing to say yes to all that he has spoken to us already in the word, taking it at face value, and then doing the things that he prompts and puts in our heart as we go throughout our day. For instance, I was thinking about this during worship um, just to show you <laughs> what the day-to-day life with Jesus can look like when we are in tune with him. I, I was visiting New York for something. It wasn't recent. And I um, was there, and uh, there was a girl who came into the bathroom, and I'm just, like, listening to her, and she kind of just sounds a little distraught and distracted and, I don't know, lots of things. And so I just couldn't get away from this feeling of, like, just ask her if she's okay. So, Okay. So I come out, hey, is everything all right? And her response was, no, and then this, and I'm trying to get ready to go to this party. And she's, like, trying to get eyelashes put on. And I was like, can I help you with anything? It was you know, before when you could touch people. And so I was like, do you need help? And she's like, well, I don't know, maybe, and can you hold this? And anyways, out of this, out of me just asking her a simple question, um, we ended up talking for about 30 minutes, and she shared with me um, we had something in common that her brother had passed away and where she was in her faith and how she was angry with God and all of this stuff. And all of this opened up just from simply listening to the Holy Spirit when he said, ask if she's okay. Okay, so he didn't say, blow open the stall, go in there and put your hands on her and, you know, start to pray and confess. And he just asked her if she's okay. So I think sometimes we think that God moving in our lives is like this big, gigantic, blow-up thing. And that's God using us. And if we don't have a microphone or somebody's not getting saved right in that moment, that, well, God didn't use me today. But did you, did you smile and say hello to that person when you felt a little unction to then you were obedient to the Father today, and that was big to him. And you have no idea how big that might have been for that person. So when we choose to tune into the Holy Spirit and live our daily lives involving him and ready and willing to say yes to all he has spoken to us and all that he will speak, we are walking in the, with the Father And yes, there will be times for things that we see as the big stuff. But God also sees your obedience in your day-to-day living. You're getting up and you're going to work as the big stuff. Like loving one another as you love yourself. Jesus walked the earth defined by the Father 
and living out of that relationship with him in obedience in everything in his day to day. Jesus walked with God, and it was his relationship that made the Father well-pleased. His relationship with the Father that made him well-pleased. Do you guys remember that in Scripture when Jesus is coming up to be baptized, and John the Baptist, he's like, no, don't. Like, you should be baptizing me. And I love Jesus' response is actually what he says to him is, well, no, because I need to be obedient I need to just do what the Father has required. So he's like, oh, God wants me to do this. It's fulfilling scripture. I need to be obedient. So there might be times where people don't understand what you're doing, but you're walking in obedience to what the Father has said, and that's what matters. So he's in obedience, and he's baptized, and then God's voice comes speaking out to everyone. I mean, how cool would that have been to be there for that moment? Oh, my God. What just happened? And so God speaks and says, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Well pleased there also means in whom I take great delight. Now, maybe you've heard someone say this before, but think about it. When that baptism happened, Jesus hadn't done any of the big things yet. But what did God say about him? He was well pleased and took great delight in him. When you go through your day-to-day in relationship and obedience to the Father, guess what he says about you? He is well-pleased, and he takes great delight in you. That's good news. (laughs) When I look at those in the Bible that God is so pleased with, it's those who walked with him. There are a lot of verses about walking with God, a a whole lot. I have um, pages of them in my notebook, and I won't read all of them to you. But what it tells me is that it's a big deal to the Father when he keeps repeating it over and over and over again. Even let's look at Genesis when he, it even like says that he would come down and walk with Adam and Eve. He likes walking with you. Colossians 2.6, I'll share a few of them with you, though. Colossians 2.6 says, Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, walk in union with him, reflecting his characters, character and the things that you do and say, living lives that lead others away from sin. So how does he want you to go to work tomorrow? He wants you to go to work tomorrow and walk in union with him. He wants you to reflect his character and the things that you do and say. He wants you to live a life that leads other away from sin. How does he want you to be with your kids tomorrow? He wants you to walk in union with him, in relationship with him, reflecting his character and the things that you do and say to your children. He wants you to live a life that leads them away from sin. And then he says, I am well pleased and I'm so delighted in you. John 22 is John 22, 5 in the message. It says, Be vigilant in keeping the commandment and the revelation that Moses, the servant of God, laid on you. Love God, your God. That means it's a personal relationship. Love God, your God. Walk in all his ways. Do what he's commanded. Embrace him. Don't you know that I must be consumed with the Father? Embrace him. Serve him with everything you are and have. He didn't say... 
this is what you need to do. You need to go off and try to do something extravagant or something that you think makes your worth far better than what it is and bring that to God. He said, no. In everything that you do in your day-to-day, do it before the Father. Embrace the Father. Live in relationship with him and obedience with him and give him what you have. And then last one about walking. <laughs> Deuteronomy 10, 12 through 13, and the Amplified says, And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require from you but to fear and worship the Lord your God with all filled reference and profound respect, to walk, that is, to live each and every day in all his ways and to love him and to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul, your choices, your thoughts, your whole being, which means we better get our minds focused on him, right, to do that, and to keep the commandments of the Lord and his statutes, which I am commanding you today for your good. So if you're asking, Lord, what do you want of me? What is the will for my life from you? This is it. He's like, walk with me and obey me. Ta-da. We try to complicate it so much. And then we're like, okay, I'm doing it. Are you proud? And he's like, I already loved you a thousand percent. Um, but yes, good job. You know, like, <laughs> he's like, you didn't make like my love level for you go through the roof because you prayed for someone or because you did what I told you to do. I already love you all the time, no matter what. But yes, I, I am very pleased with that. That makes my heart happy. But I love you no matter what. You can sit on your hands for the rest of your life, and my love for you will not change. All right. (laughs) So it says, he says, to do this for your good. And I love in the message for Deuteronomy 10, the verse 13, in the message it, translation, it says, live a good life. Who wants to live a good life? I do, <laughs> right? He's like, walk in relationship and obey the Father and ta-da, live a good life, which also reminded me of like Maine State slogan, which is, it can mind, you ought to know it, Maine. Well, A plus, plus, plus for all of you. All right. Maine, the way life should be, and I, I mean, I'm not going to lie, I stopped, and I wrote it down real fast in the corner of my, of my journal, because I was like, wow, like, what if the way life should be? Like, what if people came to Maine and encountered those in this room, and they got to see the way life should be, because it was the good life, it was the life that was walking with the Father in the day-to-day. I'm not saying that, maybe it doesn't look like a life of extravagance, but it is extravagant because it's a life with the Father. So, the way life should be is a life spent walking with God. Not one moment, not one season that is done in that way is a waste. And I don't know about you, but I want to be known as one who walked with God. Anybody else? In the seen and in the unseen moments of my life, in the highs and in the lows, in the exciting times and in the mundane, I want to be like Jesus. I want to be like the ones who caught the Father's attention, not by their great feats, 
but by their faith in him and their obedience to him. Even when we look in Hebrews 11, and it's like, these are the great heroes of the faith. The reason why they're the great heroes of the faith is not by something that they accomplished or something that they did for the Lord. It was because of their trust and their belief that God was who he says he was. And God, God's like, these guys, like, mm-hmm, they're it. And they're it because they walked with me. Genesis 6, 9. Okay, when you guys think of Noah, what do you think? It's a big boat. It's an ark. <laughs> right? Uh, do you think ark when you think Noah, right? You know? Okay, um, God, even though he remembers that, it's not that he thinks like Noah and he thinks he built this ark. Um, Genesis 6, 9 says, this is the story of Noah. Noah was a good man. A man of integrity in his community. Noah walked with God. Boom. Like, God's like, and this is the big shiny thing about Noah, right? <laughs> like, he was a man of integrity in his community. He walked with God. Guys, like, if we start to think about that, God wants me to be a woman, a man of integrity in my community, and to walk with him. And he's like, I'm going to, yeah, this is a big deal, <laughs> Genesis 5, 24, talks about Enoch. He's the guy who didn't have to die. <laughs> He's the one who walked with God, and God said, come on now. And he just brought him up to heaven. I, just, I would like to imagine that's what he said. Come on. All right. So, <laughs> get it? All right. Genesis 5, 22, it says, Enoch walked in habitual fellowship with God. And in verse 24, it says, and in reverent fear and obedience, Enoch walked with God, right? So he thought it was a big enough deal. He's like, make sure you put it in the Bible that Enoch walked with me, that he was in habitual fellowship, and that habitual means a habit. And when you, when you look up, okay, well, what is a habit? And to me, habit is something that I do without even thinking about, right? I have this weird thing that I do with my hands, and I... <laughs> And I do it without even thinking about it. And then people are like, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, I don't know. I just, it just happens. I just do it. You know, anything like nail biters in here or just stuff like you're not even thinking. And then all of a sudden somebody's like, what are you doing? <laughs> and they see. So um, it, walking with God should be like not even really having to put that, that great effort into it. It should just come so naturally to us. Like, of course, I would talk to the father throughout the day right? Of course he would be a part of my day-to-day. -day. Of course he goes to work with me. Of course he's with my kids with me. Of course he's with my spouse with me. Like, we're together all of the time. It's habitual. The, um, I love that the example that they give of the word habitual also means um, they were like, oh yeah, it's like if you went on a walk every day. A habit of going on a walk. And I was like, would you look at that? Just look at it. All right. So, God's like, just come on a walk with me every single day. In Hebrews 11, it actually says, and it is still on record that Enoch walked with God. God's like, it's such a big deal that he walked with me. Let's go write it down forever. I love it. What am I trying to say? I'm trying to say that we can get so focused on what we aren't doing for the Lord 
or these big aspirations that we have, and not that those things that are in your heart's desire, like, God, I want to do such and such for you, you know, or I want to go to the nations, or I want to, you know, these aren't bad things that we have, these desires that we have that he's placed in us, okay? These aren't bad things, but what can happen is we can run, 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 and go, 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 and try to do, do, do for the Lord that we forget to walk with him. We forget the delight that comes to him by us simply being, just being with him, being who he's created us to be, and loving others. Jesus lived in the mundane, and yet the Father was pleased and delighted in him, and we can do the same. I want to read you something that I sat down and wrote, as my mother-in-law said it would be a good idea, so I'll do it. Um, <laughs> Just as I was thinking about, okay, God, like, what is it about this whole thing, about these 30 years and that being with purpose? Like, why, why did you do that? And just thinking of these things, and I sat down, and this is what came out, and I just want to speak this over you today. He is the Alpha and Omega, beginning and end. He isn't called just the God of the end results. If being called the Alpha, beginning, the great I am, who was and is, doesn't diminish him or make him embarrassed, or it's not a lesser part of him, then why would we diminish or be embarrassed or think lesser about our beginning and middle, about our current place and position and time? Because no matter what our occupation or place of residence, it's about our place and position in him. When we live and move and have our being in him, there is nothing small or irrelevant or dismissive about this point in our lives. For such a time as this, you were placed here in this moment and place with these people. God didn't form you and say, I'll use him or her when they're 33 years old but or 65 years old or whenever, but These first years, meh, I'll just let them live without purpose, just taking up space and air. Or I'll make this person, but it's just to take up space because they work with appliances. And this guy over here, I need him to be a pastor, so I'll put my effort into him. No. He created you to live and move and have your being in him. He created you with purpose and to bring his kingdom to earth, to be about his business from the beginning, middle, and end. It has purpose. You have purpose. Just because it's not the highlight reel of your life to the world, the Father is highlighting it. It may not seem like a big deal or a big part to get up and go to work or get up and go to school or get up and take care of the kids. Maybe no one will write a book about you, but you're in his book. You have his attention, and he is delighted in you. He is well pleased because you have chosen relationship and a love covenant with him and obedience to say and do what you hear and see the Father do. Jesus lived a life for 30 years that didn't make it into the spotlight. He grew in the Father. He walked in obedience. And favor, the favor of God and men grew. He went to work. He went to school. He did life. Would you tell me the Father wasn't watching or didn't care? That he didn't have the Father's attention till he was doing big things? He did have his attention and affection, and he was well pleased with him. Why? Because he was in love, covenant, and obedience. Because in the Father, Jesus lived, moved, and had his being. 
His whole life was a big deal to the Father, and your whole life is a big deal to the Father. And we live in a world that says it's not enough. You're not enough. What you're doing is not enough. You should be further along by now. What are you doing with your life? The Father says loving him and living a life of obedience that says you love him is enough. And he says you are enough. You have his stamp of approval. He isn't ashamed to be known as one who was over the moon crazy in love with you. He isn't ashamed to be known as your God. He isn't ashamed to be seen with you. He, his love is enough, so you are enough. His love is enough, so you are enough. Loving him is always enough. Your right now, where you are, sitting in your seat, is enough. He is well pleased. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> so let's just pray into that, and then you can go enjoy your sunny day. <laughs> Father, thank you so much for your invitation to us to walk with you every day, and that you're not asking something of us that Jesus already didn't do, that he didn't model for us. Thank you that through his life of going through his day to day, the seen and unseen things, that it showed us that it's possible to walk in relationship with you, to listen to the Holy Spirit, and to be obedient to the words that you've spoken over our life. And we know that that obedience that you are calling for is so that we can live life the best way, so that you can form us into the best version of ourselves that you have. And not the version that's known by what we do, but it's known by who we know. It's a version of ourselves that that is defined by you, Father, and your love for us. So thank you, Holy Spirit, for helping us this week as we go through our days to lean into you, to pay attention, to take you by the hand, and to acknowledge the fact that you are walking in our everyday mundane, the seen and the unseen days that we have and that you are still wanting to be with us that you don't see our lives as boring that you see every moment as an opportunity to be with us and father we want to see that too that every moment of our lives is an opportunity to be with you to hear from you to see you so holy spirit give us eyes and ears and hearts that are available to you Tap us on the shoulder throughout the week and remind us, I'm right here. And help us to listen to what you have to say. Help us to do those simple, obedient things like loving one another, like living with integrity, just walking with you. Thank you for walking with us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us today. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram for encouragement in your walk with God and to receive updates on events happening at The Anchor. Have a great week and God bless.